Welcome to the Preacher's Podcast for the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany in year A. Uh, Last week, we started a series called The Savior's Sermon. So we're going through the Sermon on the Mount. We talked about the Beatitudes last week. Uh, Now we move on to Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. So just to recap the theme of the overall series, we're in the season of Epiphany, the season of Revealing. Um, And we are thinking about how Jesus, in this famous sermon, reveals his own identity and also reveals to us what it is to be his disciple. Um, So we're thinking about the Savior's sermon in the context of Epiphany, and today's theme is, You Are, So Be, and we'll hear about that more in just a minute. Um, My name is John Mitchell from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary, our moderator, and our preachers for this series are Pastor Phil Kasmer from Christ the Lord Lutheran Church in Brookfield, Wisconsin, and Pastor Phil Hebner from Wisconsin Lutheran High School. Thank you both for serving once again today. Well, let's get right into it. Uh, Phil Hebner, get us started by talking for a moment about the theme for this Sunday in our series, You Are, So Be. Okay, so you mentioned well that we are in the greater context of Epiphany, Jesus revealing himself, the more specific context of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is really telling us what he's all about and what he does for us. So last week we started that Sermon on the Mount and talked about how blessed we are, how happy, how fortunate, um, and Jesus flips everything upside down, and the kingdom of God belongs to us. All these blessings flow because of him. Now today there's a transition um, that with these blessings that come from Jesus, we are salt, we are light. And what that means is how we live and what we do is very different. You can think of any item or piece of technology or tool that you have that you expect to function in a certain certain way. And it's disappointing, frustrating when it doesn't do that. And so in a similar kind of a way as Christians, because we have these blessings tied to Jesus, we are salt, we are light. That's how we function. That's what we do. And we'll be talking about that today in Matthew 5, 13 to 20. Thank you, Phil. Uh, Phil Kasmer, uh, we were, are going to be focusing, as we are throughout the series, on the gospel for the week. Um, but could you get us up to speed also on the first and second readings and show us some connection points to the gospel? Sure. Uh, these two, again, uh, fit pretty well in our, our new pericope uh, set up of saying, you are, so be. Uh, in Exodus 19, you have God declaring the identity of Israel. Um, and I think a, a piece that flows through all of these readings and that is definitely present in the gospel is, is perhaps to say it this way, you know, you have knowledge of salvation and that produces action of salvation. So in Exodus 19, uh, you have God through Moses saying to his people, you know what I did to make you my own, Uh, and make you my treasured possession, and my priests in a holy nation, um, and then now also be that. Uh, Obey me fully and keep my covenant. Uh, Value what I have done for you, or show it. Let it show up in who you are and what you do day by day. And in that first lesson, Exodus 19, um, the leaders of Israel say what should be in our hearts and mouths. We will do everything the Lord has said. We love the Lord, and we love his his will and his ways. 
Uh, and that shows up too in First Peter 2, uh, where Peter describes the reality, the beautiful salvation reality we have as God's people. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. We have received his mercy and have been brought into his family and made all these glorious things. And then it's for a purpose that we, we do that. Uh, in verse 9, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Actually, I think that's a good hook for almost anything we talk about in the gospel, too. What is the purpose of these things? Uh, we be for the praise of God and his people. Uh, abstain from sinful desires. Keep away from the sinful stuff. Live good lives so that your good deeds glorify God, uh, which will get a phrase of, is almost identical to that of the gospel. So a good pairing between these two, uh, knowledge of salvation that shows up in action of salvation. Yeah, uh, there's so many things in that. Um, reading from uh, First Peter, such a familiar section to us. But yeah, here today, the one part that stands out is the, the light uh, and just the, the living out of the identity that we have in Christ. Um, as, as you mentioned, we see in Exodus also. Um, I don't want to steal your thunder uh, from either of you guys, but what occurs to me is this pattern we talk about often, you know, indicative, then imperative, um, and that we've got that right here in the you are so be theme. Um, here's the indicative, the reality of who we are in Christ, and then the imperative flows from that. Uh, but I don't want to say too much about that because I want to let you guys uh, contribute your insights. Phil Hebner, let's go then to the gospel of the day. Um, get us started in just uh, thinking through this text, um, uh, whatever you'd like to highlight, and uh, then we'll get Phil Kasmer's thoughts and take it from there. Uh, maybe I'll do, um, or it's best if we do, chunks at a time. So I'm thinking about, first of all, the salt and light section a little bit first. And uh, last time, we talked about the first part of the Sermon on the Mount. We talked a lot about the suffering and the darkness and the, the evil, the trouble of this world. And when Jesus flips that backwards and tells us that we're blessed, I mean, indeed, re rejoice and be glad. What, what joy, what light beams into our lives. So I think maybe understanding that context is what helps us to slide into verses 13 to seven, uh, 16, that we are so different. We are so filled with joy. We are so backwards from the rest of the world because of what Jesus gives to us. Uh, but we're not just going to sit there and be that. It, it's going to actually make a difference. It's going to have influence. It's going to make an impact on the rest of the world. Uh, and so there's really two great illustrations about that, the, the salt and the light. So, you know, salt, we know, of course, makes things taste better. I particularly enjoy that taste quite a bit. Um, but in their culture too, using salt to preserve uh, for their meats without refrigeration. And uh, well, we know what light does. It, it scatters the darkness, it shows the way, it um, helps us to see things, sometimes it exposes things. Um, and so maybe we can just uh, expand those illustrations just a little bit. I think well, this morning, really a lot of mornings, I usually get up before my family and I try not to wake up my dear wife. So I like put on my phone flashlight um, and, it is hard to control that thing because that light is just so stinking bright. Um, and sometimes I try and like put it down, face down on the bed while I'm like putting my shoes on, but it still like radiates everywhere. And then I flip it over the other ways and it just 
shine through the whole room. And um, using the second paragraph, that's kind of the way we are as Christians. I, I mean, what are you going to do with us? You're not going to put us, as the children's song will go, like under a bushel and hide it. I mean, we're just going to have this radiating light um, that people can see. You know, by their deeds, you will know them. And, and people will know Jesus and see Jesus. Um, as Luther would say, you know, we are the masks of Christ. And so in a world that's rotting, kind of like a piece of meat would, uh, in a world that sometimes just leaves a bad taste in your mouth because of all the evil and the suffering, in a world that's dark and gloomy, Jesus says, you have this joy because you are so blessed. You are filled with this rejoicing, this gladness. And so go do that. Go be that. Give a good taste to the world. Shine some, shine some light in the darkness. Um, preserve it in a sense by the way that you live and how you share the goodness of the gospel. Uh, and so I guess I, I see a lot of impact here, a lot of influence, and really just showing Christ as we love God and love our neighbor and what we do. Okay, so what you'd like to add to that as we, and maybe, yeah, we could stay on verses uh, 13 through 16 for the moment, but any further thoughts on that section? Yeah, those were um, all good. I think, especially with the salt verse in 13, um, that verse always makes me run back and say, you know, what's the essential thing that's going on in these images? Because uh, with the salt one, you can debate, you know, is the idea of preservative better? Or is it flavor? And I think those are good illustrations for us to bring in. Um, and maybe I tend to do this too much, but I, I think it's good to like bring it down to the bottom and say in verse 13, isn't the question almost that there is a worth and a value that you are to have, like who you are does something. Um, it, it creates a change or it, it has a, a value, which uh, in verse 13, you know, the salt loses its saltiness. It's not good for anything. It becomes worthless. You would throw it out. And then in verses 14 to 16, uh, there are all the penetrating, enlightening aspects, but I think there is a basic aspect to think of mainly just to be seen. Light is seen. Um, and keeping those both in mind are helpful, maybe to just get the essential of it for us. Um, we're to be of some value in the world and seen by the world, uh, both for the praise of God, of course. I did like in 14 to 16, too, just re-reminding re myself of kind of like the diminishing scope of those descriptions Jesus gives. He starts so big, you are the light of the world. Um, and he speaks of himself that way. So in John's language, we'd be sons of the light, right, in connection with him. Uh, but, you know, then a city on a hill that is seen. Uh, but if we want to get domestic and down to even the personal, we're, we're light within a house. And I think those provide good opportunities, too, for illustration um, on various levels. You know, light of the world can seem too big for me. Uh, but, but I am a light in a home somewhere and with actual people. Right. Yeah, the different places that God calls us to serve or, you know, he makes us um, blessed going back to the Beatitudes uh, by his grace. Uh, we are blessed. And so now I'm going to situate you in a particular place among certain people. Um, yeah, 
live out that value that I have given you, shine out that light, whether it's yeah, in the home, workplace, society, uh, in a broad, on a broader scale, acting as, as Phil mentioned, as masks of God um, in our vocations. Uh, right, you are so be. You've been given this value. Now show that value uh, to those around you. Um, well, let's go on then to the, the next section, verses 17 through 20. Um, Phil Hebner, we can maybe start with you here. Um, how are you thinking through uh, the connection between the salt and light verses and this section on the fulfillment of the law? Uh, this gets to the part where it's a little more tricky to think through the Sermon on the Mount. Um, lots of people, even non-believers, have heard of the Beatitudes. A lot of people know the salt of the earth, the light of the earth, or the light of the world stuff, you know. Uh, and now you're getting into this murder, adultery, divorce, oath, and it's like, ah, you know, we don't like to talk about this part necessarily as much because it fights against our sinful nature, of course. Uh, but I think there is fit here in a transition. Um, you know, we have this joy, this blessing again, um, and now we are salt, now we are light, but don't think you're just going to sit there and do nothing. And so, Jesus talks about, you know, I'm not doing away with the law as if you run willy-nilly all over the world, um, but your righteousness now is going to flow forward in, in this salt and light kind of a way. So maybe I'll break it down this way. With the world rotting around us and so much darkness and gloom, when we live differently, when we keep God's laws and commands, it just tastes different to other people. Um, I think of a, a prospect once in my congregation in Florida, and I can distinctly remember her as, as a preschool mother kind of getting to know some of us and saying stuff like, wait, 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 you mean you guys actually just don't sleep with whomever and you guys have only been with your spouse and like, well, how can that be? And, and I, I have probably had multiple times in my life where someone can say, well, how, how do you get through that? How, how can you possibly endure that? Or well, why wouldn't you cheat on your taxes? You know, all this kind of stuff. When we are keeping all of God's laws in a moral kind of a way, that is the salt and light that stands out as different to the rest of the world. And Jesus is telling us that that kind of righteousness that he has is what he's expecting of us because he's given us his righteousness, that joy of the gospel, again, filling our hearts with gladness. That is then what's going to emanate from us as we keep God's law not, not because we have to, because we're trying to earn something, but joyfully, gladly following in the footsteps of Jesus, the light of the world. Great. Uh, Phil Kasmer, would you like to piggyback on any of those thoughts or add, add some different uh, angles? Yeah, if we uh, get down a little bit later talking about law and gospel, we can kind of fill some of that out too, uh, what the essentials are. But um, I think we have good a good hook into... Christ's righteousness, as Phil mentioned, which I think we need to, you got to bring the gospel in somewhere, right, in uh, Matthew 5. We are the people of God. That's our identity. It comes about because Jesus is the one who fulfilled the law, and I don't, and I won't ever fully fulfill it, but um, because he has, I have the joy to just live it and live it to its full. Uh, in verse 20, you know, Jesus brought righteousness that was far greater than the Pharisees, and is the one that allows me to live a righteousness that is far greater than the Pharisees, um, actually 
I don't know, accountable and consistent and keeping all of God's law, not neglecting any of it, but for the right reason, uh, that, that the love of God in Jesus Christ fills my heart um, and that it isn't about me. Uh, so that those things, I think, are important to catch just to uh, loop in the gospel that is generated by Jesus Christ and then moves me to do all the things like keep everything in God's law. Not, uh, what does he say in, in 18, not the least stroke of a pen, not the little tiny Greek Yoda, not the little uh, swoop of a pen on any of these things, but to, to keep all of it. I love everything God has said. Great. Phil Hebner? I really appreciate your bringing in of the, the gospel there in verse 17, uh, how Jesus did what we just absolutely cannot do. Um, and, and to know that is so important um, and as we try and keep the law. And just more on the law, I, I think sometimes we talk so frequently in the negative sense about the law. And, you know, the whole like catechism shows us our sin and it's almost like the law is this bad thing. And we forget that God's law in and of itself is good. And it's good for us and it's good to keep, um, you know, to not, to show love to my spouse and love to my neighbor's spouse by not sleeping with her and breaking the sixth commandment is good. Um, not taking my neighbor's stuff, that's a good thing. And help, doing everything I can to help him keep it is a good thing. And protecting my neighbor's name is a good thing and protecting the life of others and defending my life and my, you know, so all this stuff with the law, Keeping the law is good. Um, God gave us his laws and commands for good reason, to bless us, to bring peace, security, and you know, all kinds of other things. Um, so I, I think us understand that Jesus came to fulfill the law, not as this bad monster that's out there, but because the law is good and we needed someone to do it in our place. And that, again, as Phil said so well, is our, our motivation, our joy, to go and do that good thing ourselves too, as we are salt and light. Phil Kasmer? Yeah, you know, we could hit that note actually pretty well in verse 16, uh, where your good deeds is that Greek word kalos. It's the um, beautiful, at least a part of it, beautiful outside appeal to something, um, which is true. Uh, God's good, beautiful moral will is good in the world it it does things that even the unbelieving look at many times and say oh i wish i had that or oh that is what we need um i think that's a good emphasis that we can be very negative with the law and uh and not frame it as just our joy too right i i think um there, yeah, as Phil Hebner said, we, we can kind of oversimplify sometimes the law as a mirror, the law shows us our sin, but then just uh, not go any farther than that or just extrapolate from that that the law is a bad thing. Um, yeah, the verse in Romans 8 occurs to me, you know, what, what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, um, God did, you know providing Christ our righteousness. But yeah, nowhere does it ever say that the law itself is a bad thing. Um, the, the problem is not with the law. The problem is with our sinful natures that don't keep the law and, and bring all this bad stuff. The other thing I, I 
would uh, encourage is, you know, reread Luther, uh, small catechism first, the Ten Commandments, um, all of these good things that he is encouraging, that the, the commandments are encouraging, and then the large catechism, especially on the Ten Commandments. Um, if ever you thought, you know, uh, Lutherans are not big on the law, letting your light shine, um, that's kind of woven throughout the large catechism on the Ten Commandments. Luther kind of commenting on you know, this is our role as people of God living in a society. Um, as as Phil Hebner was just saying, you know, there's a lot of good that comes out of this, and people see this, and it does add this uh, good flavoring to a world that tastes bad in so many ways, and people notice this. Um, so that might just be some some background reading too, as you wrestle with the, the role of the law in, in a Christian's life. Um, well, let's talk about that specifically, although we've hit on it a couple times already a little bit, um, kind of law and gospel in this text or um, pointing out a malady. How do you approach that uh, in preaching this text? Um, maybe crystallizing that a little bit. Um, could I say uh, malady is, since it's this gospel foundation, you are salt and light. Malady is not seeing yourself as that, not being who you are in Christ. Uh, Phil Hebner? Yeah, that's exactly what I, what I was uh, going to go with with my thought. Um, I think it's very easy in American Christianity to just call yourself a Christian and put your name on a church roster and maybe wear your cross necklace or earrings, uh, get your crown of thorns tattoo on your bicep, uh, maybe put your rear in the pew on Christmas and Easter, and if you're lucky, a couple times in between to do your thing. And, you know, there, I'm a Christian. Um, and you talk about Jesus-y things every now and then at home. But Jesus says it's, just, it's so much more than that. Um, you know, salt is never salt three times a year. And light is not bright light just once in a while. It's just, it's what you are. And to think about what you are on a daily basis, do we actually shine light every moment, every day, driving on the freeway on the way to work, how we interact with colleagues, how we treat spouses and our children, um, when we're frustrated in line at Walmart because the line is too slow? You know, do we leave a salty, good, taste you know are we making a difference and an impact in all these little opportunities or might it be that we just hide it under a bushel so to speak uh, and save it for the time when we're on around other christians and it's comfortable and it's easy um so i think kind of in line with what you're saying there john um we're supposed to be salt and light i don't think we do that so often and that chief of sinners here i am myself um i know i certainly don't yeah, Phil Kasmer, uh, add anything to that? Um, I struggle with it in this text in both the front and back ends with just keeping the melody identity that that creates all those false conclusions because uh, the Pharisees were righteous, right? They they kept all sorts of laws. They, you know, their behinds were in the pews a lot too, but they they missed the essence. Um, and I can, I guess, I think a little bit in this text about, you know, what's the purpose of my life altogether uh, in verse 
15, 16, they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Uh, you know, there can be a me service that then, then says, I'm going to pay only attention to this much law, or I'm only going to do this or that, or even says, I'm going to do a lot, but still misses the point. Um, I want to have the righteousness of Christ as my basic identity so that I know who I am. And then I, then I be for the right reason. And I do be, I do be all those things. I don't neglect them, but keep them. Great. And um, uh, what particular aspects of the gospel um, do we want to emphasize in this text? Um, how would you, I mean, again, we've we've talked about it already. We've mentioned it already, but just to reinforce a little bit, what are the particular gospel notes that you want to sound out um, in this text that does come across as a, a lot of ethical encouragements? Um, what work of God do we want to highlight? Phil Hebner? I think that like a lot of texts, it's kind of a daunting sort of a thing, you know, to think about what God has called us to be and Phil said it really well with the right motivation on top of it, you know, not just putting in the time and like, oh, I'm doing it, but for the right reason. I mean, this is daunting if I really examine myself. Um, and, and so what greater joy can there be than Christ has done it for me? And I think about how we're inching closer towards transfiguration here. Um, and the, this is my son whom I love that comes out from a heavenly father, that he would actually say that to me and be pleased with me because in baptism and by faith, I'm clothed with Christ and his righteousness and all that he has done. So it kind of takes the burden away. It's easy to have a burden. I think looking at this text about what a pathetic failure I am in every way, but what a, what a complete joy that Jesus has done it. And again, like I said, in baptism and by faith, it, it's mine. I'm covered in that righteousness that I, that God wants me to have. I'm already covered in it with Christ. So I can just go and live freely in this world and, and live with joy. Great. So I think of that last verse, um, uh, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, can't we say it does? I mean, the, it, because we have the righteousness of Christ credited to us because that's our baptismal identity. We're, we're wrapped up in Jesus. Um, so that, that is who we are, uh, perfectly righteous in his sight. Um, and that kind of comes across, uh, it, I mean, the text doesn't explicitly say that, but of course we know that in the broader context, <laughs> that is absolutely true and uh, a great comfort to us. Uh, Phil Kasmer, maybe I am stealing your thunder here, may, anything to add on the gospel uh, notes that we want to emphasize here? I think, I think to just... Um turn back on those pictures a little bit and identify them in Christ is the way. He is the light of the world so that I'm, I'm enlightened to know what God's about. And, and then, as you said, John, you know, he pours out this surpassing righteousness that I just couldn't achieve, which is really the only thing that can give me joy to just look at God's law and say, oh, this is good. I love it. Why? Because I'm not afraid. Um, he's done everything. Uh, he's the fulfillment. I think, I think you both have said it really well. Um, you find it there. And you could even do it in, Jesus says, 
uh, I haven't come to abolish the law and the prophets. Why? Because that's what the Pharisees accused him of. Well, he was just pointing out what actual righteousness was, and they were convicted by it. If they received the Savior, they would say, ah, that's beautiful. Um, and so I, I think you've said it well. That's, that's where to find it. Great. Any uh, suggestions for preachers on um, whether it's theme ideas or uh, maybe wrapped up together with that are, are key images or illustrations? Um, how would you go about um, preaching this text in those terms? Phil Kasmer? Um, I was just thinking, I ran across a thought somewhere that, you know, there is an active uh, nature to, this would be a law statement, but, you know, your, your candle doesn't just end up under a bushel, you put it under there. And, uh, you know, just on the, on the law end, we can actively choose to hide our light, put it away. I think it's easy to make it kind of passive as though various things are happening to us and therefore um, the light doesn't shine. But actually, a lot of the time to serve myself, I hide it. Um, I, I put it away. And, and then on the other end, we got all the things that I can do to not put it away. All of these beautiful laws of God that show. I think that's a, just a little highlight to make, at least. Yeah, it makes the, the law section a little more vivid. Uh, that's a good point. It's not just... Um... I'm shining my light and everybody is stopping me. So often it is, uh, I'm putting a cover over it for my own purposes. Uh, Phil Hebner. Uh, when it comes to like theme, I think it's maybe easy to just take a be salt and light thing, or you could do a be who you are kind of a thing. We of course want to direct our attention toward Christ and not just what we do, you know, sanctification wise. Uh, but maybe one more just illustration thought. I think of a class that I teach at our high school with my wife called Friendship to Marriage with seniors about love, relationships, marriage, et cetera. And there's just so many times that we, we come across hundreds of students and they have so many broken families and broken homes and missing parents, absent parent, divorced home, you know, home that's hurt, et cetera, et cetera. And our, our marriage is great. I love it, but we're certainly not the perfect marriage or whatever, but it's amazing to me how many times the students say, I just want what you have, you know, and, and I think the preacher for this kind of a text can think about all the myriad of people each of us have encountered in our lives when people say that kind of a thing. I just want what you have. You know, they can go live their lives with alcoholism or drug abuse or sex or whatever other kind of sin uh, and finally, there's a point where a lot of people just realize they are so lost. And, and what a joy and privilege for us this is what I'm getting to, that we can be salt and light and they can look at that and see how different we are and know there's something different. And that's when we point them back, as Phil said so well, to the light, to Jesus. And, and that's really who makes us different and makes our lives and our relationships so different in everything that we do. Uh, so I think there's plenty of great applications that all of us can find in just everyday life to, to illustrate what Jesus is talking about here. Yeah, that's a great overarching note um, so that it's not just you are salt and light, be salt and light, and you better be salt and light or else, you know, it's not that. It's uh, think of all the, the, the joy that 
the Father can bring into other people's lives um, as you live out your identity in Christ. Um, uh, and of course, Jesus is talking about that too with his whole salt and light um, metaphors there, um, glorifying the Father in heaven. But right, the privilege we've got of living out this identity that we've been freely given as righteous children of God, loved children of God, that makes a difference um, in a positive way in people's lives. And that is a bridge um, to their knowing the righteousness of Christ too, or learning about that through the gospel. Uh, yeah, that's a great point, a positive uh, emphasis. Phil Kasmer? I think you can make some of those good things that we've said before already uh, notices about the world where if you are the light of the world and you're shining, uh, the stuff that's going on in the darkness is what happens in the darkness naturally. You're groping about, you're trying to find your way, and that's what the world is doing. It's trying to identify stuff that's good, things that will be beneficial, what's actually moral, and finding all sorts of bad stuff. And I, I think what Phil Hedner said a little bit ago um, about the law is good, and even to go back to that kalas word, how good it is, these things that God blesses you to put out there. They are exactly the things the world needs to see so that they can see Christ. Um, I, I think that'd be a worthwhile illustration or, or, or a, a mention to just hit that. You both just said it. These are, these are good things that the world needs connected to Jesus. Yeah, thank you both for all your thoughts. I think we've given preachers a lot to think about as they approach this text. Um, and uh, prepare to preach it to God's people. So Phil and Phil, thank you once again. And uh, Lord bless you all preachers as you continue wrestling with this beautiful section of the Savior's sermon and get to preach uh, the gospel truths and uh, the guiding truths of God's word to your people.